Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. It is I, your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, non-roster invitee, Matthew Henry. (laughs) Oh, can't even get like an invitation, just just an invitation to spring training. That's all I got. Hey, Matthew, what does it feel like to be on the back half of your career? (laughs) Well... Uh, I guess, uh, crappy, I, you know, <laughs> like, you know, denial, maybe, I don't know. Like, you know, like aren't you just glad guy? to still have a shot playing this game you love? Sure. Yeah. Scraping to, to all I can to just, you know, earn the last bit of dollars I can before my career wastes away. The fact yeah. of the matter is here, like the only person who really has more or less of a contract is Bob. You and I, <laughs> you and I are both non-roster invitees. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, there's not a lot of scratch being made between the two of us. That's yeah. At least in terms of this broadcast, this broadcast. What the heck is that? This broadcast. This broadcast. You haven't this even started drinking yet. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. I haven't started drinking yet. Uh, this broadcast, but it's not being broadcast at all because it's recorded and then and then it just sits there waiting for people to download it because it's a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, Talk about somebody's on the back half of their career. Jeez. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What am I, What are you gonna do? Am I gonna get fired? <laughs> I'm not firing you because it'd be a little lonely. Over yeah. Here. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, folks, today is Sunday, March 27th, as we record this podcast. We are about what ten days, maybe maybe a little twelve days away from opening day. Uh, the Giants are in the midst of spring training. Uh, the pitchers are looking really good. The hitters are looking really not. We have some old guys still nursing some injuries from a year ago. And no, I'm not talking about Matthew and myself, but I'm talking about ones Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt. Although you could have probably been talking about Matthew and Ben as well. That's yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. We're all in the same age group. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, it's almost true. It's it's sort of true. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we're we're in the midst of things. We're figuring things out. Matthew and I, um, we were a little down last week, right? Because we had just, just, it was clear that the free agent signing period was over. And, um, and uh, yeah, but, you know, brighter days, right, Matthew? Yes. I'm, I'm going with brighter days. Brighter days. And, and what helps make the day brighter? alcohol correct <laughs> hit me with the question my 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 non-roster invitee Matthew. Actually, i'm gonna defer to bob this time around bob oh what yeah we pay him all this money we should actually ask him to you know that's true we do pay so. him all this money he's the only paid the only paid guy on this show what are you drinking ben well thank you for asking bob today i am enjoying a bourbon elderflower sour 
and basically it's a it's a it's a whiskey sour with bourbon but some of the sweetener is is elderflower liqueur in instead of uh instead of um, instead of simple syrup so so what is it it is uh, two ounces of bourbon half an ounce of elderflower liqueur uh, half an ounce of simple syrup. And then I pulled back a little bit on the sour because I just, I don't like that much sour in my sours. Go figure. Uh, so it's got three quarters of an ounce of, of lemon juice. I throw all of that into a Boston shaker full of ice, shook it up, and then I strained it into a rocks glass filled with fresh ice. And, uh, and it is a very refreshing kind of spring-appropriate cocktail that I'm going to take a big pull of now. Two pulls of. Sorry. <laughs> ah, that is good. Well, the elderflower, mm. you know, that's a that's an interesting mix there. Uh I I could see how that would play well with the bourbon. It plays very well with the bourbon. Yeah, it's yeah. really it really accents the uh, the you know the, the the I don't know the back part the the aftertaste I guess you would call it. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, Is there an official name for that? I, maybe I don't. I don't know. Mm. I didn't go to culinary school, so I, I don't know. But uh, interesting. No, no egg, though. No, no, no egg, egg in this one. No, this is not a. Uh, this is not a fancy sour. Um, this is. Uh, although an egg would go nicely in here. Yeah. 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 And then and then maybe throw a little bitters on top of that. Now okay. you're talking. So you're taking it to the next level there. That would All be right. taking well, it to the next level. Yeah. And, and that's that's uh, just listeners, uh, you know, a lot of times a sour will have an egg white, you know, kind of in there. And you do like a dry shake with the ingredients and the egg white, which is means without ice. And then you add ice and then you shake it again. And it gives you this nice foamy kind of you know, frothy. You know, I think I did an egg white drink two weeks ago. Did you? I, I don't think remember. So. These all start to I blur don't... together after a while. Yeah, they yeah. blurred together. Agreed. <laughs> I remember what that fancy term is that we talked about. It's it's umami. Oh, that's so that's what umami means? I didn't know. That's not what umami <laughs> means at all. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, Bob, why don't you why don't we transition over? Uh, to hey Bob, Bob. yeah, hey Bob. Hey, 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 ask Matthew the question. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, thank you. I now, here on Giant Cocktails, sometimes we like to tie our cocktails into the baseball, right? What we're doing. And and so I started after last week's episode. Last week's episode was a little on the pessimistic side. And and I think, we, you know, as you said, we were lamenting that we hadn't really jumped into the free agent market like we had thought. And the sky and- was falling. The sky was falling. Yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was our. It was a dark moment for me. And and so this week I started focusing on because I'm not a dark person. You know, I, I I'm a glass is half full kind of guy. And so I started looking at our roster and and really and we're going to talk more about this in I think today's episodes. But after after some this week, I I decided that I am going to be more optimistic about the Giants than than maybe I was a week ago. And in that note, I am drinking a cocktail called The Optimist. And uh, The Optimist is a white rum drink. So it's got uh, two ounces of white rum. It's got a teaspoon of ginger syrup and a teaspoon of honey syrup. So uh, basically mm. a, a one-to-one ratio of honey to water. So it just kind of you know makes it a little bit sweeter, mm-hmm. but not, not viscous. Uh, and then tw- uh, basically 20 milliliters of lime juice. Uh, so uh, that uh, kind of gets it onto the... 
uh, the daiquiri kind of uh, realm there a little bit. But then what you do before you shake all that up. Oh, oh no, I forgot the basil leaves. So there's uh, you, you mm-hmm. cram you throw a bunch some basil of, leaves in there, some, a bunch of basil leaves, like eight of them into the oh, shaker yeah. with ice and you shake the crap out of that. Uh, and then before you double strain it into a, a cocktail glass, you rinse the cocktail glass with a chartreuse uh, liqueur. Wow. And so you, so then you pour this. Uh, it's a green cocktail. Uh, I garnished it with a cucumber just because that's what I had and it was green and uh, it seemed like a, a good thing to do. And the, you, you get the aroma of the chartreuse uh, in there and with the basil and the rum and the lime juice all mixing together with a little bit of kick from the ginger. And uh, I really like it. And I'm, I'm, I'm now drinking this and, and being very optimistic about the Giants future. So I'm going to take a sip right here. Yes, very nice. So it's got this tartness. The basil is really strong in this. Very nice uh-huh. cocktail. Uh-huh. What I really liked about that cocktail, Matthew, is how you measured your your spirit in ounces, your honeys in <laughs> teaspoons, and then your what was it? Uh, the, the lime the, juice in milliliters. The yes. lime juice in milliliters. I, yes. <laughs> I, I was all over the place. You know, I had a I had a, a recipe that I wrote down, and it was from a couple different things, and so I just went with it. it you know, when you're Folks, making cocktails, if you successfully in your make this kitchen, one at home, let us know. Yeah, you know, when I when we post it on Instagram and Twitter, I'll get them all right. I'll get all the the measurements in the in the same. Uh, well, category, those were the but... only clean dishes you had, right? So you were like, as you were measuring it out, like you know, and you you were measuring them in different. Yes. You know, well, I don't have a five milliliter measuring thing, right? So five milliliters is about a teaspoon. So I'm okay. like, so that's kind of where that came from. And then, and I actually I confirmed that with Alexa, and Alexa is like my co-pilot right. when I'm making things and I need to know measurements. Right. And so I she see. she helped me out there i see i see um, all right but well, we're talking way too much about these drinks let's let's get into baseball uh well okay i mean let's get into baseball i you know i i think um i i think what we learned about about your cocktails is about the unsung heroes of um of measurements that's right and uh you know one data of the things and stats matter right yeah that's right the data <laughs> and stats matter you know one of the things that we 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 talked about last week during all of our our pessimism was was how much the giants lost and um how many of the things they were supposed to try and get during the during the free agency uh, you know signing period and and that they didn't and I think, you know, one of the questions that we asked ourselves at the end of the episode was like, how good is this team really? And and we said, you know what, it's not that different from from what we were doing last year. So this team actually isn't that much worse. Um, and I guess that begs the question, Matthew, you and I were talking about this before the show is, is it like, you know, that right handed bat that we were so desperate to find? Is is it possible that that we we had that bat all along? Yes, it's entirely yes. possible that we had that bat all along, and his name is Darren Ruff. And wow, you really have gone back to the optimism. <laughs> I, See, I'm what... just I'm no I'm using the milliliters and uh-huh. the teaspoons and the whatever is here because Darren Ruff you was use a, a little bit of that honey damn syrup, good... a little bit of that ginger yes. syrup. Yes, Ruff has, has it all. And and uh, Darren Ruff last year had a 2.9 war 
and hit 16 homers and 312 plate appearances last year. His weighted runs created plus uh, was, uh, which measures overall offensive value while taking into account your ballpark, uh, was 144, which was ninth best in the league among players with at least 300 plate appearances. So he is top 10 right-handed batter in in the league, according to last year. And so uh, I don't think we give him enough credit. Like, I don't know if I knew he was that good last year. And so, uh, you know, I feel like I think Darren Ruff is is uh, someone they're going to count a lot on uh, to to provide that right-handed power, that right-handed presence in the middle of the lineup. And you know that he just got a contract extension. And I think it was the first long-term contract he's had in his career is what two or three years. Uh, and so uh, the Giants believe in him. And I think that you know when they're comparing him to the Chris Bryants and the Castellanos and all that, he's right up there at a lot less price. So. Uh, I, I think that the Giants are going to roll with someone like Darren Ruff. Um, I'm sorry, I I'm stuck on this. Did you say he had a 2.9 WAR? Yes. Wow. Um, that's pretty good. Yes. I mean, okay, so 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 WAR means like wins above replacement. It means that right, like if your starting guy gets hurt. Um, and then you had to replace him, say, with like, I don't know, a Joey Bart or something. And uh, how many games uh, difference would you expect your team to, to, I guess, effectively not win because you lost that guy? Um, it basically means that Darren Ruff contribu- contributed by himself 2.9 wins over a, uh, over a replacement average, player from... Right. Yeah, the average replacement player, which would be somebody the, the next guy available from from AAA, and 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 two point nine is not going to like lead the league or anything. Uh, for for example, I think last year, and let me just quickly pull this up. Tenth um, place in the major leagues was Austin Riley, um, and his uh, WAR was six point one. So uh, that's a top ten player in in all of baseball. It is 6.1. Anybody that is hovering around three is a pretty great contribution, especially for a guy who didn't play the whole season. Right. Yeah. How many games did he play? Oh, you're gonna make. Well, he had 312 plate appearances, so probably what 60 percent of of the season, you know. And uh, so he's he's a guy that you know I think could really make a difference with the Giants. Uh, not only is he, I mean, he's really good against uh, left-handers, uh, but he holds his own against right-handers, and so. He's got a very respectable uh, uh, OPS of 824 uh, against right-handers. He's over 1,000 against left-handers in his OPS. So uh, bashes lefties, uh, very respectable against right-handers. Seven of his home runs last year came off right-handers. So he could be a legitimate everyday player. I think the only only downside is his defense. Uh, you know, he's not not the fleetest of feet uh, out there in in the outfield, and the and the Giants are listing him as an outfielder. So, I feel like that's kind of where we have to kind of place him. Since he's not going to be their DH, is what you're saying? Well, I no, I guess that is an option. I, I just meant first base. I don't think he's going to play much. First oh, base. well, uh, no. yeah, with with Lamont Way Jr. and Belt and um, other options there. Yeah, I think they're counting on Brandon Belt playing every game that he can. Yeah, uh, maybe occasionally spelling him against a left-hander, um, and then Lamont Wade Jr. will will, will carry the rest. I mean, that that is a, a good question though as well. And I guess I guess you have you also have uh, Wilmer Flores, who yep. can also play first base, um, and you know the 
the uh, the mythical Tommy Listella can allegedly play first base. <laughs> um, I really can't wait for that guy to suit up for the San Francisco Giants. By the way, yeah, yeah one day, one yeah, day we'll I'm, see. Him I'm, super, I'm super psyched <laughs> about that. Uh, you know, um, but but well, okay. So that's I mean. Okay, but but we had Darren Ruff last year, right? So he he doesn't really he doesn't really replace what we lost with Buster Posey, right? Um, but but is there is there anybody else on the radar that and I, and I know there is because I'm looking at your notes that you wrote <laughs> and and I I really want to say this name myself because I want to sound it. cool when I say it, but um, well, I was just wondering. I mean, you know. You know how I feel about the 2023 and the 2024 Giants and how good they're going to be, right? Right. Yes. But but you know the 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 spear is coming, but the tip of that spear is 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 Heliot Ramos, right? Because he is the wave of the next generation, but he's right at the crest of it, right? He's right there at the top. He's going to be the first one who who makes a splash. And I'm 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 one. Do you think? I mean, he seems like he's you know last year he did really really well at AAA, yep. right? Is yep. is is he ready? Are the Giants ready to commit to him? Are they ready to give up that year of of uh, major league service? <laughs> like uh, are... no, I, I you know, and I I think he's he's going to be ready at some point this year. I don't think he's going to start the season off on the roster mainly because. He's got options, and there are a lot of outfielders that the Giants probably want to hold on to for a little bit longer. So I don't think that he's going to be the answer right away. But the Giants don't – they're not married to their to their 26-man roster. I mean, they they tinker. They play around. They, they're always in how can we get better mode. And I think at some point this season, Elliot Ramos is going to factor in. He's on the 40-man roster now. We know that the Giants uh, actively use their 40-man uh, and so, yeah, I think if he continues to hit well like he did last year in AAA, we'll see him sometime probably in the summer. And mm-hmm. uh, and he could be that answer, right? I mean, he could be the Chris Bryant type acquisition midway through the year. Right. Uh, and I say that only because Chris Bryant didn't exactly light the the world on fire when he came over. From I, the I, I hope Elliot Ramos can at least do Chris Bryant numbers. Right. Chris Bryant as a giant numbers. Yep. Yep. Um, and 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 the other player that I think we're also that the Giants seem really high on, and and I I have a hard time kind of believing in this, but I, I, I you read it enough and you kind of feel like well maybe is Tyro Estrada, and and Tyro Estrada was a late acquisition last year from the Giants or from the Yankees. They got brought him over from the Yankees, uh, and and he was just supposed to be backup depth in the at AAA for short for at the shortstop level because Dubone was going to be the the middle infielder, super sub, yeah, yeah, super sub guy. Uh, well, that that role has now reversed. It looks like it looks like Dubon is no longer the uh, at least uh, I think just Estrada has played better than he has, and so I think they seem to be very high on him. And Estrada could be that right-handed bat. If you look at his numbers last year, he you know he actually had some pop, seven home runs and 121 at bats. So you know I feel like he's got. Uh, you know, he's got the just like everybody else in the lineup. You know, we led the National League in home runs last year. Uh, he could be that uh, he could certainly replace Buster Posey's power, I think, uh, if he were to get an everyday opportunity. I mean, Buster what, hit like 18 home runs last year. Preposterous. And uh, so Estrada could could be that that level. Blaspheme. 
<laughs> I'm saying it, man. I'm saying it. I love Buster. Nobody replaces Buster, but the One home run does not at least... replace Buster no, Posey with Tyro. Okay, but right, you see, this is how the Giants operate. They're, they're the pundits out there are like, one does not replace Buster Posey ever. And the Giants be like, well, just watch us. We're going to pull some guy that you've never heard of, and he's going to do well. And that's just – so, I mean, why not Tyro Estrada? I mean, the Giants have, have, have saw something in him. He's done well when he's, when he's been uh, with the club. And I think with more playing time, I think the Giants see him as a legitimate right-handed presence in their lineup. And, and so – and I feel like that factored in. Both Elliot Ramos – and and Tyro Strada factored into the fact that pound, money for you know for pound for pound or whatever you want to say it the that kind of uh, production was on par with a Chris Bryant but you're not going to you're not going to 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 pay these two guys 162 million or whatever it is that uh, that Bryant got so uh, so the Giants are I think are are in a good spot right handed. Uh, if those guys perform the way that the Giants think they will and, and are counting on them, frankly, because they haven't gotten anybody else. So I think those are, those are the guys. And, and so I, I'm, but I'm feeling, like I said, I'm drinking my optimist. Uh, I'm feeling very optimistic about both of them. Okay. I, I, I just had to quickly do the math here. Uh, oh, because... man, are you going to like try and like prove me wrong about Buster Posey and all this here? Uh, uh, no. Uh, so, so Buster had 445, sorry, 100, 454 plate appearances last year, and he hit 18 home runs. Tyro Estrada had seven home runs in 132 plate appearances. Uh, plate appearances. Yeah. And if he had as many, uh, uh, plate appearances as Buster Posey and hit at that same rate, he would hit 24 home runs to Buster's 18. Yeah. But he's still no Buster Posey. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. I'm not claiming he's Buster Posey, but we've got but what you're claiming is what you're claiming is, is that is that all this is that the Giants have all of these guys, these sneaky guys that are not going to show up. Well, I have seen some people write some things about Darren Ruff in the in the in the predictions this year. Uh, I haven't seen them write anything nice, um, but but I have seen Darren Ruff appear. But I, you know, certainly Tyro Estrada does not does not make anybody's predictions when they're talking about the San Francisco Giants. Um, and uh, but what you're saying is is that that's exactly where this production is going to come from. It's going to come from the same place that it did last year, which is all over the place. And right. But, the Giants but don't I, rely on one guy. They rely right. on, on nine guys. Right. And that particularly seems, I think, to be most striking or most counterintuitive when we're talking about right-handed bats. Because when you look at the Giants you, you, at, on the, from the left, left side of the plate, they look, you know, I mean, they look a little old, but they look they look good. Right, but you're yeah. always constantly asking yourself, well, where are the, where is the where where are the right-handers? And and what you're saying is is that they get enough from Darren Ruff, from Tyro Estrada, and from. Uh, see, I can't even remember who the right-handed bats are. Well, it would be Joey Bart anymore. would be another one that's new that would right. be someone that's right. got to you know produce a little bit. And um, there is one. Oh, you got Wilmer Flores, right? Good old Wilmer, Wilmer Flores. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, undervalued again, but uh, but could be, you know, someone I, you know, that, someone I, that has has proven that he can he can hit left-handers. I, yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> this is so hard to do, you know, because like we just lived through it. We just lived through it. We just saw it happen. We saw the magic happen right in front of us. But now when you put it all before me again, I, I, I'm still like kind of. Uh... Believe, Ben. Believe. OK. Don't be like these writers who like just look at the Giants from afar and be like, oh, the Giants, there's no way they could even you know, ever make the playoffs with this roster. Uh, you know, after they won 107 games last right, year, right. believe, man, or or the or the ones who have just decided to outright say, "I'm just not going to predict the Giants this year <laughs> because I don't understand them." That yeah, Ben is referring to an article on MLB.com that was uh, trying to put all the teams into tiers on how likely they were to make the playoffs, and the Giants got their own special tier called the Giant Zone, and the guy didn't know where to put them. He he uh, and and. Which is fair, I guess, right? If you're not watching the Giants from day to day and you look at that roster, you're like, how the heck did they win 107 games? And uh, But we know. We know. And so believe, Ben. Believe. Okay, well, look, I'm supposed to be the resident pessimist. This is one of the reasons why last week was so hard, I think, for us, was is that we were both the pessimist last week. <laughs> yeah, usually I balance you out, but I was, I was in a funk. Yeah, and I was confused. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and... Uh, but, you know, somebody's got to be on the, the side of, um, well, I don't know. It's not reality anymore. I'm used to being right about the Giants not being good, <laughs> if, you know, from, from, from 2017. Well, I, know, to... I know you want to be the pragmatist. You know, you want to be very pragmatic about things. But uh, but sometimes, yeah. you know, the, the Giants are, are, are I think, are, are doing things differently than any team in Major League history. And, uh, you know, and, and that's that's really proving true. And... And I guess that begs the question, though, because last year, last week, I think we used the word fluke. Yeah, we talked and uh, we said fluke a lot last week. And I, I guess that's what's that's what's getting me is, is that I, I think I'm buying into that narrative. Yeah. And and I think and, you know, it's interesting listening to Farhan. He gave an interview, I think, to what Mad Dog Russo mm-hmm. uh, this last week. And uh, you listen to him speak. It's clear to him that this was no fluke. Who listened this? to Mad Dog speak? Hey, Matthew. No. Well, I heard about no. the, the, the Giants. Uh, they were uh, really good last year. It was unexpected, but uh, they lost Buster Posey. So uh, talk to me about that. Talk to me about how you're going to replace that leadership of Buster Posey. Yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. like how he says. He always says, go ahead. Right, right go at ahead, the end there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Farhan delivered. So Farhan uh, basically said that, uh, yeah, the guys that they brought in, the guys that they, that they put in the lineup produced as expected. And... So Farhan doesn't believe that these are like one-hit wonders, and that these are that these are good baseball players who produce the way that they expected them to produce. And so, you know, I, I feel like why not, man? Like, like you know, they're right. are they going to win 107 games? You know, probably not, right? No. But but 90 to 95 wins. I think is 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 there uh, one of the reasons I think is you know we spent a lot of time talking about the uh the offense and you know do they have right hand power all that sort of stuff uh but i think what gets under under um appreciated is this pitching staff uh-huh. and you know preventing runs is is just as important as scoring runs and i think the giants are are a team that is going to do a very good job preventing runs this year right well i mean so let's talk about that for a second because i think 
I think one of the things that really bothers the pundits, bothers everybody about the San Francisco Giants, people who think that they have figured baseball out, that they understand it, that, that, that you can turn it into an algorithm and then spit out numbers and just know who's going to win and who's not. Uh, all of those people, I, I think the Giants kind of are, are this outlier that really just makes them uncomfortable. But at the same time, you got to understand where they're coming from, because if you want to believe that the San Francisco Giants are doing something that's repeatable, then they have to have a formula, right? The Giants have to have a philosophy or an idea that they've discovered that the rest of the world hasn't hasn't picked up on. Right. Right. And and yeah, so one of the strengths last year from the San Francisco Giants was was their pitching staff. Right. Ultimately, it was it was. Uh, the rotation that they put together at the very beginning of the season, which they clearly believed in and they were right. And then and then this bullpen, which I don't think that they knew what they had and they tinkered with nonstop all the way through till the bitter end. Right. But eventually put together a really great bullpen. My my question for you is, is that when you look at these two very different things and when you look at the lineup. And all of the just these these changes and these, you know, people coming and people going and and, you know, like guys who were not good becoming good. And, and like, I, I guess my question is, where is the formula there? Where is the secret sauce? What can we cling to that makes us say 2021 was not a fluke? Like, I have some ideas, but like, yeah. I don't know. What are your ideas about? Like, what is what do you think it is that makes this giant consistently this team consistently good? Well, I think, you know, you and I were talking about this off air. I think that the the idea of uh, and I, I think before I watched last season, if you had asked me what the role of a major league coaching staff is. Uh, I probably have been like, I don't know, just kind of root them on and they go, go get them, you know, and slap Fill them out on the, the line butt. card. Tell them where the ball is. Exactly. Like I, you know, but, uh, but the giants have, have, uh, you know, they have the largest coaching staff out of any major league baseball team. Uh, they also have more hitting instructors. They've got, they are coaching and teaching at the major league level. I think unlike any other major league team and, with, with the exception maybe the Dodgers, right? But I think that uh, even so, I think that they have found a way to identify players that are coachable, one, uh -huh. guys that are looking to maybe you know get better, They're, they understand that they have some limitations, they want to maximize their talent. So those guys are automatically uh, 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 pulled into, I think, the Giants' orb or sphere. Uh, but also, you know, not to give... Uh, you know, not to forget that we've got veterans like Crawford and and you know particularly and Belt and and uh, and then Buster last year who bought in you know to this you know these are veterans who had had success at the major league level who are also willing to be coached and and now the the coaching staff seems to have really uh, dialed in to with the players what they what how to get better at the major league right. level. And I, I think that's the secret sauce. I don't think other teams are looking at their established major league players as someone that can get better as players that are, can, can do right. things differently. Right. Right. So you're saying that that's what, that's what the, the giants do is they're, they're exploiting the fact that other teams undervalue coaching and coachability. Yes. And they're starting right. to, because now they're starting to poach their, their coaches. Right. I mean, we're, right. we're seeing this last off season. We saw a few coaches, 
get get poached for uh, bigger and better roles uh, on other teams. Uh, but you know, I think the Giants have definitely dialed into that as a, right. as a as an advantage. Well, but you have to wonder though: Are they going to go to those guys that leave, or or um, um, those people that leave? Are they going to go to a staff that's much smaller? Right? Because I know there are a lot of teams out there that are trying to cut the size of their coaching staff. Right? They just look at it as an expense that has no payoff, and 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 so even if somebody were to leave the Giants organization what they're having to bring with them is not just their knowledge and their approach and their ability to coach people, but also just the whole mentality of the organization. And I think that's just something that a lot of other organizations are not willing to do, right? right. They're not willing to have a, a coaching staff of like, what, 15 coaches. And uh, some of them have like five, right? If that. <laughs> right. right. They have a hitting coach, they have a pitting, pitching coach, they have a bench coach. and First base uh, and third base. First base and third base, and that's it. That's your coaching staff. And, um, you know, and, and they don't understand or even want to contemplate why you need more than that. I, I think I think that's I think that's a huge, huge um, benefit to the Giants. Right. Is that like a lot of teams are just not going to buy into that. They also. Yeah. And I think that beyond just coaching, I think that they also I mean, we I think of when I think of coaching, I think of, you know, kind of how to hit the ball, how to how to field a ball, whatever, which I think are important and that coaching staff certainly does. But they also talk approach and and hitting plans. And you heard a lot last year about guys who are like in pinch, you know, the Giants were excellent at pinch hitting last year. And you kept hearing them say, well, you know, the, the hitting coaches were in my ear before the at bat telling me what to expect and where to attack and all that. And and the, you don't hear that from other teams. Right. You don't hear other coaching staffs. You know, Farhan, that kind you of hit stuff. 20 pinch hit home runs. That's not going to happen this year. Why are we going to replace that? <laughs> that's that's what, what Mad that's Dog what, asked. He did, yeah. And Farhan was very diplomatic. <laughs> right, right. I think he was probably saying, no, I, I think it can happen again. Yeah. Right? Um, maybe not exactly that number, but we're going to do the same things that we did last year, which is have an approach, break down pitchers, and then have – have. I, I mean, I think part of it is, is, is that, you know, you said coachability. Right. Because it's not just the ability to coach, but you also need players who are going to receive that coaching. Yep. Right. There's a lot of players out there who are just, you know, the coaches yapping in their ear and they're not even going to listen. And I think to a certain extent that 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 kind of approach even gets, um, uh, you know, lionized. Right. We, we 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 think that people who have that approach, oh, I'm not going to listen to the coach. I'm just going to go up there and do what I do because I'm awesome. Um is actually a good quality, but in, in, in reality, it's not, right? The more information that you have, the the better prepared you are to go up there. And, and the one thing that every batter wants to know is what pitch is coming next, right? That is the secret to hitting, it turns yeah. out, as the Houston Astros demonstrated to us a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> right? When you know what's coming, it makes hitting it a lot easier. Um, but it turns out there's other ways to do that by predicting what's going to come and what it's going to look like um, and when the pitcher's going to throw it just based on what they've done previously. And, and that's something that the coaching staff does really, really well. And the hitters are listening. Yeah. And that's why they hit so many pinch hit home runs. And that's why you had your veterans have bounce back years. Right. Right. And, so and I, 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 yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so everybody's saying that last year was was a fluke. Uh, but but maybe it wasn't. Maybe last year was just uh, a change in direction. Right. Yeah. And I, I, to that point, I think that another thing that I think that we I think when we first got introduced to Farhan, 
you know, he was making a lot of these little tiny trades and and it was kind of like okay he's he's tinkering with the back end of the roster because he's got these big long contracts that he's got to wait until they expire and so he's you know but i think now that i think about it i think the back end of the roster is where the magic lies right i think most teams are content with having below average players on the bench you know they're the, the guys that are going to you know you, they don't play very often and when they do they don't really contribute you know they are they are uh, but the giants don't believe that the giants right. uh they have spent a lot of time factoring you know getting a little bit better at the back end and now to the point where their their subs are at worst average major league baseball players and and right. i think that that's where some of that magic lies as well because now you've got guys that you know with the platoons that they like to do and the pinch hitting and all that is that a guy can kind of sub in and you're not missing it's not a it's not a letdown it's it's an addition to kind of situation and i think that's also something that's factored into them right i think that's really interesting because i think as you've been saying this it sort of jogged in my memory a m- bunch of scenarios last year where we saw guys leave the organization that didn't necessarily make a lot of sense or we saw guys get sent down who were performing well but but we're getting sent down anyway. I think Caleb Berger was one of those guys that was a little bit of a head scratcher for me when, when he got sent down mm-hmm. as an example. But other other people who, who left the organization and other people who got sent down. Um, and I think even you would hear a lot of this when, when Kapler would talk about players' performances in his post-game interviews and, and they'd ask him to talk about somebody and how well they did or how... Um, you know, how they performed, he would always talk about their approach. You know, he'd always talk about, you know, oh, I really liked how he, or I really didn't like how, or there's some things that he could be doing better. And I think all of that came down to, I mean, I think all of that was indications to me of players who were and who weren't following the coaching advice, right? Right. Who weren't aligned with the message that the team was giving them. And and I think the fact that they were leaving the organization or getting sent down was less of an indication of of how they were performing or even about their capabilities and their potential, but more about we're just not aligned. We're not aligned in how what in how we're communicating with each other and the approach that we want to have. And because we're not aligned, it's not going to work. Right. Yep. And uh, I, I think we did see a lot of, of that last year. I mean, I can't point to anything concrete. I think the Caleb Berger example was probably the best one that I can remember uh, if from my from my recollection, because Caleb Berger had really great numbers when he got sent down. Um, but I, and I think he got you know, I think Kapler was asked about that. And I think he you know, he had to say something which was to the effect of like he's just you know, he's not he's not throwing the pitches where and what we need. He's getting lucky, basically. Is 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 what I recollect anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that's it's exactly that, which is there's a disconnect between coaching and 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 reception from the player, right? right? And if and if that's not happening, they can't have it. Yeah, and I think that that's the culture that they've built, right? I mean, they've got these right. guys who are who are most you know, even the star players are buying in, and if you've got others who are not buying in, then they've got to go, right? And so. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's part of that secret. That secret too. Uh, so, having said all that, though, I mean, we, we look, you know, trying to be optimistic here mm-hmm. about our team, but mm-hmm. there are question marks, right? I mean, it's not it's not like not like the team has just you know it all figured out and we're going to go in there and win 107 games again. Uh, 
in your mind, what what are the question? What's the question mark that you have uh, going into the year that you you feel like the Giants need to figure out? I think one question mark that they don't need to figure out, they're going to figure out. Um, you know, um, breakups are hard, Matthew, and and uh, I understand that that both people need to be dedicated to the relationship and. And and then when they're not the the person that 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 is still clinging to the past needs to learn to let go and and I'm 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 working on it, okay I'm working on it I'm I'm learning to let go. I'm learning to let go. I understand that Buster, you know, he's gonna go live the rest of his life and do what he needs to do, but you know, but but here we are, and uh, you know, I know everybody's been talking about this kid Joey Bart. But to me, that's the biggest question mark for the Giants this year is Joey Bart. And um, I'm going to be try to be rational about it. I'm not going to try to put too much pressure on the kid. I'm not going to blame him, you know, for for, you know, for for Buster leaving. It's not his fault. Right. It's not his no, fault, right? It's not his fault. Okay. I mean, it's and he was he was drafted with this inevitability. Right. I mean, it was. <laughs> Yeah. Th- this is why they drafted a number two overall. <laughs> oh, this is why, is it? Yes, for this moment. Uh huh. The moment okay. is here now. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, okay. In, in, okay. First of all, I, I, I'm not kidding. I really do miss Buster, uh, and I do really wish he would just decide to change his mind and, and come back. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I, I am, I'm joking a little bit. But I, I think with Joey Bart, my, my biggest question mark is, is it first of all, he did play a full season with, well, you know, he played 2020 <laughs> with the San yeah. Francisco Giants. Um, and, and one of the things that was highly touted about Joey Bart, one of the things that everybody said, like, this is why we went and got this kid, was his power bat. And he has still, to this day, not hit a home run at the major league level. And... I'm expecting a drop off in his ability behind the plate, right? I'm expecting a drop off in how he handles the pitchers. I'm expecting a drop off in throwing out base runners and holding base runners. But the kid's got a hit. And I think and I and I don't get the feeling that the organization is 100% believes that he's going to hit. I don't know that I think to me, I think Joey Bart is the biggest, biggest question mark. Like he has this, you know, super high potential, but, you know, we really, really need him to to demonstrate that 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 potential is going to become reality. And, you know, I I think this would still be what you said. This is still going to be officially his rookie year. Yeah, I actually had to look that up because I was like, that can't be true. But it really is. He hasn't met the rookie standards. Well, yet. he only had, what, two at-bats last year or yes, two plate yes. appearances? Something like that, yeah. After, you know, after a very, you know, obviously there were only 60 games in 2020. So at best he's played in 62 games. Yeah, but he didn't even play that many. in. in right, I'm uh, sure he uh, didn't play so. that many during the, yeah, right. So, at yeah, exactly. At best he's had 62. And so, so he is still very, very much uh, early in his major league career. Um, you know, I just, um, you know, I, we don't need him to be, uh, a superstar, but we certainly need him to, to, to contribute a little bit. Right. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I, 
I don't know what to think about Joey Bart. I think that's the thing that that's the problem with for me with him is like he to me, he's a huge question mark. I really just don't know what we can expect. Is he is he somebody that is going to be able to 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 break through at that position? Is he going to be uh, a top 10 catcher? Is he going to be a top five catcher or is he just going to be a major league catcher? Right. Yeah. And I I think what would be a successful season for him? I, I feel like 250. Gosh, I'd even say 240. 240, 10 home runs. That 60, would be okay. 50, 60 RBIs, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be okay. I mean, I yeah. I mean, that that's I, I know after having had Buster for so long. But I, I think 240 with, with 10 home runs would be... I, I think a lot of Giants fans would be disappointed with that, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they would be disappointed with that, to say the least. Um... But, but you know, but I don't know, 250 with 20 home runs, and now you're like, hey. Well, if 250 and 20 home runs, and then he's rookie of the year conversation. Yeah, right? I mean, exactly, exactly. So, so there, there, is, there is that possibility. And, uh, uh, but yes, I agree. Big question mark. But 10 home runs is, you know, is an infinite number more than he's hit already. Right? <laughs> That's right. It's, it's yeah. 10 home runs this year is 10 more home runs than he's ever hit in his whole life. I mean, it's 10 more home runs than ever I've hit in my life. But what does that tell you? Right. That's right. You and Joey Bart have the same number of home runs at the major league level. Correct, right? You know, I mean, Dwayne Kuyper has an infinite number of more home runs than, than uh, you know, right? Because Joey's never going to hit a home run based on his percentages. <laughs> That's right. Dwayne Kuyper at least hits one every once a career, right? <laughs> so, I mean, right now, uh, you know, Dwayne Kuyper is a better home run hitter than, than Joey Bart. And I, I think, you know, if not that it's all about home runs, but on the San Francisco Giants, it's, it's, it's all about home runs sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think with uh, I can't, you know, although I, I think the other half of that equation is Kirk Casale and uh, towards yeah. in September, he actually started to, to actually play at a level that was pretty respectable. So them combined. On the offensive side, you mean? Yes. On the yeah. offensive side. Defensive side, yeah. he was fantastic the entire year. I think uh, yeah. for, for for offense, I think between the two of them, they could make a reasonable facsimile of a of a of a of a good major league catcher and so that's probably what we have to to hope for at this point that's you a good who... point i mean that's a good point right right i think casali plus bart is probably is probably going to be just fine right right and i i have to imagine they're, they're going to pick the 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 players that casali and, and bart will you know the pitchers that they'll start against right, and, right. Um, so anyway, and well, for what it's worth, I, I learned today that Joey Bart and and uh, Alex Wood were um, they live in the Atlanta area. So Wood was pitching to Bart during the off season, and uh, have built up kind of a rapport. So um, I know that was kind of a knock on Bart at the beginning of his career was just his inability to handle the veteran pitchers, and it seems like he's taking that very seriously. And and uh, hopefully we'll you know we'll see him improve in that re- area as well. Yeah, I mean, that can't do anything but help, right? Yep, yep. So another another player that I feel like has a question mark, um, you alluded to him earlier when you said we'd like to see him play or something to that effect, uh, is Tommy LaStella. And Tommy LaStella was, if you recall, was the first long-term contract in the Farhan Zaidi era. He was the first player to sign a three-year contract um, you know, on the Giants after Farhan took over. And we've been kind of waiting for him to, and and last year I know he had some injuries and just uh, wasn't quite what we expected. But uh, yeah, he's a good question mark because I know the, the his history with the Angels. He was a a very good 
uh, you know, offensive weapon. Uh, but we have yet to see that as a Giants. And, and now, um, you know, he's penciled in as the, pretty much the everyday starter at second base. Might even make opening day roster uh, after his uh, Achilles uh, tendon surgery that he had in the offseason. Uh, so I'm not, I'm a little nervous about, about second base and, and how that could play out. And, and, you know, particularly he's he's left-handed hitter. He's going to play against most of the right right-handed starters, and they even talked about him DHing some to kind of save his Achilles a little bit if he's not 100% ready to, to play the field at the beginning of the year. Uh, so it sounds like they're they're relying on him to play a big role, and we we haven't we haven't seen that yet, and uh, makes me a little nervous. And and I um, I feel like there's a hole there that. Um, I guess you could argue we had there last year. I mean, second base was our our, our strongest position. Uh, you know, Donnie, Donnie, Donovan Solano didn't have the same season that he had in 2020. Uh, but, you know, um, still, I, I feel like there's a lot expected out of Listella, and we haven't seen it yet. Tommy Listella has only played more than 80 games in one season in his, sorry, two seasons in his career. 2014, he played 93 games. In 2018, he played 123 games. He was an all-star in 2019, and he only played 80 games, so I'm guessing he was injured the second half. <laughs> um, I think we've already established that that, that I am the resident uh, pessimist, and you know what? This is a fan podcast. I'm just going to write off. I'm writing off Tommy Lestella. I'm writing him off already. Not a good first long-term contract for, for, for Farhan. Um I, I expect Tommy to be ephemeral for the rest of his Giants career. I, I uh, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Uh, I'll, I'll eat crow all day long. I'll eat crow all day long on that one. But I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that Tommy Lasella is going to be an ephemeral Giant. He's going to be one of those Giants that you kind of like, oh, yeah, he was a Giant, wasn't he? But he never played. Um you know, he, he had 70, uh, he played in 76 games last year, but it seems like, you know, it was off and on. His OPS plus was 92 during that period of time. He had a 308 on base percentage and a 405 slugging percentage. Um, you know, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I, I think second base is a huge question mark. I and I would say that I am much more confident about Tyro Estrada from uh you know uh from the from the the right side of the plate than I am from Tommy Lastella at the, the left side of the plate. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I I, I I I wish I didn't feel that way, but I just it, it just looking at the track record and just looking at the way things have gone, I just I don't Well, it's hard it's hard to trust a guy that's coming off Achilles tendon surgery right i mean it's you know how do you how do you really feel about a guy that hasn't shown you much and now he's coming off surgery a major surgery although i guess they're downplaying the severity of the injury but right. still how do you, surgery I mean, on your you, achilles tendon how do you feel excited about a guy who's never played more than 80 games except in a season except twice yeah that, i hadn't yeah. realized that that's pretty amazing and and just as an aside listeners ephemeral means lasting for a very short time Okay, I, I had to look that up too. I didn't want you guys scrambling to look that up, so I looked it up for you. Ephemeral, lasting yeah, but it, a very, but it, very short time. That is Tommy Lastella. But it's like with emphasis, you know. <laughs> so it's it's a short period of time, but but boy, was it brief and barely noticeable. <laughs> to the point it where was, it was noticeable. It was there and it was gone. You know, it was it was uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, 
All right. Well, so Tommy, uh, but then, you know, so his, his injury, right. Also, I mm-hmm. think kind of plays into another question mark. And I guess you could argue that this question mark is, is relevant for all teams, but uh, is, is the health. I mean, we don't have the youngest roster, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, our infield, uh, I think I mentioned before is, you know, one step away from an AARP membership. I think, you know, we've got, you know, mid thirties across the board and, and, uh, and I think Lestella might be the youngest, actually. So, uh, not not ideal. Uh, and I think that you know we've got we brought in Carlos Rodon this year, who's got you know last year he uh, had a really good season, but he, he tired at the end of the year. Um, he's had Tommy John and shoulder surgery, and uh, so you've got guys with a history of injuries. You know, Brandon Belt being the, uh, the 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 ringleader of 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 injuries for the Giants. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm sure this spring he's probably walked into a door and, you know, and is out for two weeks. He but... did something, I'm sure. And that's why he hasn't played in a spring training game yet. Yeah. So I think that that's where uh, that's the biggest question mark for me is, you know, can these old guys, can we ring one more year out of them? You know, can they play enough? I did see I did see a Kapler today or something I read today. I don't know when it was written, but basically admit that maybe he didn't give Belt enough of breathers. Um, uh, and some and actually I think it, not that much. It was actually Yastrzemski, but I think that that kind of is relevant for I mean, they've got to give guys these older guys breathers and they've got to find ways to get them off their feet. And and uh, because otherwise, you know, we can't count on them playing 150 games. I can understand why Kapler leaned hard on Yaz, especially early in the season. And 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 Yaz did come off of an injury, right? He got hit on that hand on that last preseason game, right? And, and, yep. it, and it kind of threw him off for the whole first month and possibly the whole season. I get why Kapler leaned on him, though, right? Because think about it. That was Kapler's second season with the team, right? Up to that point, that was his star. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and I can see why he leaned on him. And, you know, I mean, I think Yaz probably wouldn't probably wouldn't have it any other way but yeah i think now he knows right now he knows better right now now he knows what he's got and, and now he knows how he's got to take care of these guys um i i think that is 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 a huge learning point for kapler i think one of the great things that i like about gabe kapler and there are a lot of things i don't like about gabe kapler but one of the things that I like about Gabe Kapler is that he keeps um, making me like him a little bit more Mm-hmm. And he does that because he is constantly working to get better himself yeah. and 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 improve as a manager. And I think this was clearly one of those areas. I think he talked about this a lot when he transitioned from Philadelphia to the Giants. Right. He talked about the mistakes he made at, at Philadelphia in Philadelphia. And he was like, you know, I just didn't pay close enough to watch the to the players as people and about how they were feeling. And, and that's probably, you know, I think that's a little bit of what's going on there with Yaz. But again, like I, I, you know, if I was 2020 Gabe Kapler, I mean, 2021 Gabe Kapler, I'm probably leaning on Yaz all day long. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but Gabe Kapler is smarter than me. So that's, that's, you know, it's... <laughs> well, and I think that, I mean, that's a good, that's a good uh, point. And, you know, we're, we're, the segment's about question marks, but I, you know, I think last year Kapler for sure was a question mark. Uh, this year, coming off of a uh, Manager of the Year award, 107 wins. Um, I think you know certainly there are things that he can do to improve. But what to your point, I, what I really like about him as well is that he seems to understand where he needs to get better, 
and uh, and really seems to actively work to do that. And I think that's kind of lends itself to the whole culture of the team, right? If the manager, right. the leader is is willing to be humble and learn and figure out how to be a better manager than the players, you know, for sure, certainly need to, you know, have that same attitude in their, in their realm. Right. I mean, I, absolutely. I, I think Gabe Kapler still is a question mark because I think, you know, as the manager, he has a huge influence on the team and, and, and you always need to be getting better. And I still think his X's and O's are, are not the best. And I think there are some changes, transition, you know, changes, especially at the DH level that are going to, really hurt him in an area where he already has a bias towards doing things a certain way. And I think the DH is going to make it harder to do those things, right? Like his line changes right? yeah. and, and using players early. Like one of the things that I well, one, really, one less player on the bench, right? You got right. One exactly. Player. One less player on the bench. And one of the things that I just went off on him a couple of times last year was how he ran out of players. And there was just nothing that infuriated me more than watching our team just have to give a game away because they ran out of players. And um, and Logan Webb will be pinch hitting in the ninth inning. (laughs) Right, he probably will be pinch hitting in the ninth inning, and I will let Gabe Kapler know how stupid that was when it happens. Um, But but I think you're right. I mean, I think I think the good news is is that he he also knows that that he has to constantly get better. Right, he's never good enough. Right, you're you're never good enough. And and you constantly have to be looking at ways to make yourself better, um, and and how to and how to you know not just as a player and not just as a manager but everybody, right? They everybody has to constantly be be working to get to get better, and I think uh, you know I, I think I think that's a huge part of it, um, you know. But I mean, do getting back to I I think the one thing, the biggest question mark for this team, is always health. And I do think that as an organization, the team was very, very conscious of that. I think they looked at I, – I do think they overlooked Yaz, and, and I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But, like, look how they treated Buster Posey last year. It was like Buster can't play – you know, he can't play a day game after a night game. He just can't. He can't play three games in a row. He can't. Uh, you know, and, and they were very, very um, careful about how they treated a lot of other, you know um, – uh, Longoria, I think, and um, trying to think about how they treated Crawford, but um, you know, but at I the think, end, I of think the they day, tried to give him blows, but then uh, when Debone got you know demoted, I think yeah. they, they did have to lean on him a little bit more than they probably would have liked. At the end of the day, I mean, I, how much does that really matter? I mean, I, I think it does matter, but I do think you know, to me, it's like Brandon Belt and Rodon and. Um, you know, and, and we've written down here Longoria, but, you know, I think actually for Longoria, I really just like, you know, how is he going to handle um, right-handed pitching is yeah. really the is really the question mark for Longoria for me. Um, but but for, for me, I think Rodon and Belt, you know, and their health. Right. I mean, if Brandon Belt can I mean, can the man just do one year, Kenny? Well, if he can plays he 150, one if he plays 150 games, he's an MVP candidate. I mean, that's that's yeah. how good he's been. Can he just yeah? Can we have that? Is that is that too much to ask for? Yes. Like just it's one. Too much to ask. Yeah, it is too much. To ask for. <laughs> this yeah, is Brandon Belt. Remember he got a, he got a concussion by you know ball you, hitting him. In did the you hear about how they were both interviewed on KNBR and there was this question about which one was Brandon number one and which one was Brandon? Oh, number hilarious! Two? That was hilarious. And Crawford just like Crawford just laid the roast down. 
I mean, yeah. it was just. <gasps> well, Belt was first. So Belt went yeah. first and he was like, I'm Brandon number one. And he had all these reasons to be Brandon number one. And it was a hilarious interview. Yeah. And then, yeah, then Crawford came and Well, because he uh, said he was the first one called up. So he had more major league service time. And then Crawford was like, oh, I've got you on this one, buddy. Yeah, I played more games. <laughs> I played more games. <laughs> By a lot. <laughs> he said, I'm Brandon number one by a long shot <laughs> uh, based on games played. So, I mean, you know, look, I mean, everybody knows. Everybody in the whole universe knows, right, that Brandon Belt, he can't stay healthy. But if we have the Brandon Belt from last year or even anything close to it, like 90% of that. Right. Yeah. But he can play 145, 150 games. 150, I think, is too many. I yeah, that's think, too many. I, I say that, but it's too no. Yeah, I think 140 would would be probably the best we could hope for. Yeah. Um, which would be amazing. It, which would be amazing. Yeah, I think he really is MVP candidate, right? Um, if if he if he can do that, and uh, but I do think that's it. That's the question marks. I, I think it's, it was the same question mark last year. Are the Giants deep enough? Do they have enough guys uh, to to pick themselves, to pick each other up when they get hurt? And I, I'm a little bit worried about the starting rotation. I don't know that they're as deep um, this year as they were last year. I mean, I didn't know anything from anything last year because I didn't have any faith in Desclafani and Wood. Right. Right. I th- I thought two of the him between Sanchez, do, uh, Wood, and Desclafani. I thought at least. Two of them were going to get significant injuries during the year. Yeah. And I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong in that, actually. That's true. Because uh, Alex, uh, Alex Wood almost died from COVID or whatever it was. Well, then he had the uh, the ablation, remember, at the beginning of the and, year. That's or right. The, and he had the ablation at the beginning of the year. He didn't even start the season on the on the roster. I'll was, tell you what. That's Alex what got Wood Logan Webb onto the roster, actually. That's right. That's right. It did. Alex Wood is tough as nails, man. Yeah. He is tough as off nails. To Alex Wood. For sure. All right. Well, you know what? We are uh, we're up against the hour, and uh, I think we've had some good, good, healthy discussion around our Giants. I'm feeling a little more optimistic about their chances this year. Yeah, me um, too. Which which means the alcohol's kicking in. <laughs> which is why we drink, man. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time as we start a new season, uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram at, at Giant Cocktails. Uh, we post our uh, photos and recipes for the cocktails that we make uh, on on both of those platforms. Uh, you can also follow Ben on Twitter at, at WatchBenFail and Instagram as well uh, at WatchBenFail, which is um, one of my favorite things to do. But uh, give us a follow and, and say hi. And until next week, Ben, we'll, we'll watch uh, another week of spring training and we'll be back next week to talk about it. Till then, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs>